Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that, as gamers, we are passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next post-Gen Con epic turn. Day four. Mm. The final day. Thank God, because my feet were sore (laughs) as hell. Of course, it's not actually day four now. We're back home. We've slept a little. Um, If you want the full explanation, please listen to day two. Um. But here we are. We're talking about what we did on day four. Uh, day four was Sunday, and it's the shortest day of the con. Yep. Uh, um, everything starts wrapping up at one or two o'clock. Uh, it, yeah. So we we didn't have the full day to talk about. So I expect this to kind of be a little bit shorter than the last two is on that part. However, Brian, we have a very awesome guest on this podcast. But we'll get to <laughs> that later. We'll get to that later. I know. All right. So. We have to. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna do it. Bleep, bleep, blah, bleep, bleep, blah, 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 blah. So after we finish that interview, yes. we end up going walking around for a little bit because we were trying to get our last purchases in before we kind of wrapped up our day. That's right. We went back to the vendor hall again. We are idiots. <laughs> no, we're not idiots. Our <laughs> our bank accounts think we're idiots. <laughs> this is true. Our credit card companies may or may not have fallen in love with us. But um, actually, I was wondering why I had a box of Godiva chocolates on my desk when I got when I got home. Yeah, you shouldn't eat those. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Anyway, so I'm, I made my way over to the Studio 2 booth area, which Studio 2 is a big indie publishing group. They're actually the ones that have helped out. If you've listened to the episode three with Aloy, they helped him getting Third Eye Games into games into various game stores. They're also helping with Savage Worlds and the product I picked up, which I'm super excited about, was book two and the prologue book, which is guest book zero of shadows over Estrin, the French horror role-playing game. Is it shadows over Estrin or shadows up? I think it's shadows. Oh, it might be shadows of Estrin. I am so sorry. Uh, I can't again, remember. It's that whole, it's again, that's meant it's all this mental exhaustion. Yes. Yeah. It's shadows of Estrin. Estrin. Yes. And their book two came out. I mm-hmm. had completely forgotten about it. I missed the Kickstarter. And so I, you know, I walked up, I spent gobs of money, Again, yeah, and we we for for the listeners, we actually picked up the first book last Gen Con. They were there, really small. No one really knew who they were. Uh, a couple of really nice French guys uh, saying, "We translate this from French. Check it out." And their tagline is a medieval role playing game with a hor- horrific gothic influence. That's to put it mildly, but yes, it's <laughs> a great tagline. <laughs> The system is absolutely amazing. I I love the I love the I'm trying to find the best word for it, the the alchemical parts mm-hmm. and the technology they use yeah. and the fact I love again, you know me, I am a I have a huge thing for horror role playing games. I love Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, Shadows of, Shadows of Estrin was a, a great fit for me. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's low power again, a great fit for you. And we'll get into that discussion in a future episode. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, it is a really neat system. It has a very unique feel. The books are a phenomenal quality. I think they're some of the best looking role playing books I've ever seen. 
Um, and it, it really shows because Friday night they pulled in a crap ton of em- of innies. Uh, they had four wins, three golds, and a silver. Uh, some of them were for, again, the best quality production. And the silver was actually for, uh, I think, best product of the year. I think it was. Yeah. I have to go back and double check so listeners don't hate on us on this one. But uh, I'll double, double check while you check ramble. Okay. So anyway, so I went over there. I bought that book. Uh, I got to talk to actually the same guy from last year when I walked up. He goes, because didn't you buy like our big collector set from last year? And Jen kind of went, yes. Yeah, that's me. And so we got to have a good back and forth. I actually told him, you know, I finally got to read it. I've actually read the book. It's really in- interesting and awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I just ah, I can't express how much I love this this system. Yeah, yeah um, actually, product of the year. It, yeah, it was product of the year. There you go. Yeah, silver product uh, of the year. And they had uh, best production value and um, best, you know, uh, what was the other one? Can you remember now? Yeah, best art interior, best production values and product of the year silver. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, four awards. It shows. Uh, I recommend anybody pick. I, I recommend everybody pick it up. We have it in the show notes. Check them out. If you're a big fan of horror games and you love low power settings like I do, it is so good. And if not, just pick it up for the fluff. The fluff in it is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most they, of they the book is backstory. A huge part of it is actually yeah. that's what makes book two so much is just as good as it's a fluff book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like the fact that. Uh, if I remember correctly, he told me that book three is about um, is a kind of a religious book. And since so it's going to talk about the monasteries and the deities, which I'm really looking forward to that since it, again, is that low, that's that low power runic magic superstitions. So it gives me, I think actually I might, I think I might write something for October this year. So we have an actual horror themed game for Halloween. I know there's some of the guys who are hoping to get back in the world of darkness for that, but I think I think this would be a little bit more authentic to run for Halloween. I think so too. Yeah. So when I went over to get uh, Shadows of the Restaurant, I know you like did some laughs around the the dealer hall. I think looking for T-shirts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we went around. Um, I had some gifts to buy, um, you know, and uh, it was very successful. Um, my my daughter is a big Doctor Who fan. Uh, she, I got her this T-shirt that has all these different quotes from the show in the shape of the new Doctor Who logo. Oh, and that's awesome! She got it today after she got home from her first day of school uh, for the year, and she spent an hour reading every line. Epic! And her only criticism for me is how it was why didn't they put Alan Zay on the on the shirt? I'll say it again. That is epic. <laughs> <laughs> but no. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Uh, there's a lot of great T-shirts, regardless of you know whether you're a brony or you're all about Doctor Who or you're whether you're new Doctor, old Doctor, Star Trek, Star Wars, just really like awesome fantasy artwork. There's everything, um, and just so many different types of T-shirts. I you know you can go on and on. Oh yeah, I, I found a lot of good ones for like Legend of Zelda that I wanted to pick up, but by the time I got there, they were all out of mediums. Yeah. So- no, I was, so out, that's my I was out of luck. <laughs> I was yeah. out of luck. So uh, I think also um, I saw it. I saw it in your your photo of all the loot on your side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I saw a, a Peso book in there too, didn't I? I did. Um, I finally made it into the Peso book. Our Peso. I can. We need. You know what we should have done over Peso. there. We should have stopped there and asked him how do you say your company name. Peso. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we we failed. We didn't do it. Uh, if anyone knows, 
uh, officially, please, please pass it along. But uh, I got, I finally made it into the booth on Sunday. And before that, it was just way too crowded for me to even get into it. And I saw the Ultimate Campaign, which is a relatively new uh, supplement. It's not the newest one. The newest one is Mythic Adventures, right? And that's their yeah. That's it's their, like their epic handbook, if you will. Yeah, you know so. they they want that's their like, hey, you're done with those normal those normal level things. This is all the crazy stuff you can do. Um, and that I, I I flipped through that. That looked neat, but Ultimate Campaign really sucked me in because it added so much depth to the the world in a way that I don't see in a lot of campaigns. Um, it has. I've I've gotten to read through some of this point, and it has I think the best background system I've found personally. Uh, they ask you questions and force you really to flesh out everything about your character's past. There's two or three pages f- listing question after question uh, things to think about just about your character's childhood. And I really think that if you were to seriously sit down and answer those things and try to keep them cohesive and logical you will have a much richer character. And if you have a party that does this, you have a, uh, you know, it'll really add a lot to it. Um, you know, it'll give you the GM so many more hooks. Um, in fact, they built that, the whole GM hook system into it with storyline talents. Um, that I, I just think those are great. It's stuff like if you want to be a master thief and that's your ambition, as long as you've pulled off uh, so many uh, successful heists, you can take this talent and then you get a bonus. But if you ever pull if you ever pull off the mother load, right? You know, twenty five thousand gold uh, worth of uh, in a single heist, and don't get caught and don't leave a trace, you get an even bigger bonus. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and they have all these different things. Whether you're trying to be a thief, uh, you know, a politician, artist, uh, whether you were shamed and bullied as a child, there's a whole storyline talent for that. You know, they have okay. it's 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 a great addition to the system to kind of and can you imagine as a storyteller the type of fun you can have with those kind of uh, with that kind of hooks as a as a storyteller? Yes, yes, I can. <laughs> I mean, I make I make you guys anybody I've DM, you know, this I tell I tell you guys I want a background. So if this book helps character help players mm-hmm. and I've seen the a, back- a very robust background. Mm-hmm. Then, oh my God! Thank you for picking it up. Yes, I mean, and I've seen the backgrounds I've I've made for your games. I've seen the backgrounds other people make for the games, and they're fun. They're neat, and they give more than not having a background. But they're they don't come anywhere touching the background these things can generate. Um, things I would never even consider. Like they're like think about what your character's first love was. How did it end? Oh, wow. You, you know, I mean, it, did it scar your character, you know, and did it make you jaded or did it, you know, are you now a, a hopeless romantic, you know, and all this other stuff and just things I, I wouldn't have. I don't know if I would have ever thought about without being prompted to um, really cool stuff. Um, they have a whole traits and uh, disadvantage system built into it, too, so that if you, you know, you, you pick them to line up with the questions that you answered earlier, but you're like, oh, I was. I was, you know, an awkward child bullied as a kid, and, you know, and you can take a trait that actually reflects that and give your and give your character stat bonuses or deficits based on your background. Okay, uh, I know you showed me some of the charts, mm-hmm. not all of them, but a good portion of them. That I think that will help any play group. Yeah. Just from the charts I saw, and I can only imagine it's just more in depth beyond that. It is, and and that's part one of four of this book. 
have so, you gone to some of the other parts, or are you still just so I've, I've read part of I've read part of um, of two, and uh, part two is a downtime system that is all about. So you're running a campaign, and your characters want to. You know, you have a character that wants to open a bar. This gives you guidelines and a structured system on on how to build the bar, mm-hmm. how it runs, how it uh, how it uh, generates income. Mm-hmm. Um, it has these downtime capital resources that are like um, goods, influence, money, and magic. Right? I think those are the four ones. Right. And um, so, to build the the end, you actually pick rooms that you want that end to have. So, do you want like a crappy little you know two room in, or do you want uh, you know like a thing that a king could stay at? Okay. And you pick these rooms and you kind of lay it out a little bit. And, you know, it's it's a lot more bookkeeping, but I think it adds a lot of depth to what you're trying to do if you're into that. Um, but you, so you, you design it and then you're and then you, each room has a cost associated with it based on these. And you have to generate those resources to do it. And those resources can be gifted to you as part as part of the rewards when you uh, accomplish a quest or uh, role playing events in the area. So you'd be like, uh, you went and you freed a bunch. Oh, labor. It wasn't money. It was labor. That was the fourth one. Oh, okay. So um, you one of the examples they gave was you go and you clear out um, uh, some kobolds and release some uh, villagers that had been taken captive. Okay. They're, they're poor. They don't have any money to give you, but they don't have any goods to give you. But they can – they promise that you know they, they will be happy to work for you in the future. Hmm. Uh, and, that, and so then you could say you could tell the the person or the party that well you each get five uh, uh, five labor capital that you can mm-hmm. use in the city. Well, and then good. yeah, so it gives you it gives a little bit more depth to it. And um, there's all these different types of actions. It has rules in there for retraining skills as a downtime action, which I thought was really cool. That uh, makes sense. Retraining talents, even uh, you can. Uh, and then, like, if you leave town, your influence over those buildings you own degrade, and you can actually lose control over them. Um, and you you have to like stay in contact to stop that from happening. So you have to come back every so often, or you can have magical communication. But of course, that gets expensive. Of course, you know. I mean, uh, not everybody can have you know mystical, mm-hmm. mystical wireless communication devices. If you yeah. want. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Well, no, that only works in cell phones, right? Um, you can what is have these cell phones you speak of. Yes, it's sorcery, dark sorcery, very dark sorcery. Trust me. <laughs> um, you know, and you can have you can uh, hire a manager to take over the take over the day to day running, and that slows down the decay. But you have to stay in contact with a manager, or they have a chance of going rogue and taking over the business. You know, so it. It adds a lot more give and take. It adds a lot more uh, realism in some ways to the whole concept of building inns or starting guilds or doing all this kinds of stuff that you can do as part of the downtime system. It's really cool. Uh, the other two parts are – they call it campaign systems, which I haven't read on any, but I'm, I'm not even sure really what they mean by that at this point. And then mm-hmm. they have kingdom ruling, which is you are a king or you are a – you know, high up uh, influencer and that, and you that you control armies and all this other stuff. So, kind of neat stuff. I feel like I've rambled for a while. 
No, I mean that this, the whole book sounds very interesting. I think as a as a storyteller, I predominantly you know uh, like running games more so than playing. That book sounds like it's right up my alley, so I'm gonna have to go get it now, <laughs> just to make sure I have my own copy. <laughs> yeah, no, um, um, you know, I got I, I got the book now. I got the PDF. I'm reading it, um, and it's actually got me kind of jonesing to run the first uh, campaign that I've ever that I've tried to run in about ten years. Wow, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, a big thanks to uh, Pezo for putting out a. Um, something new to help re- revitalize that in me again. Nice. Yeah. Well, since we're on the topic of role-playing games, I actually made my way over to the Cryptozoic booth before we met up again. And I picked up for our buddy Ryan, I picked up uh, the new Cosmic Patrol book. I love the title of it, The Moon Must Be Ours. I love the title. <laughs> and it's a, it's what it looks like is it's a it's their actual uh, it's a campaign and it has all these missions and you go through it. And it's like it's centered, you know, it's supposed to be like a campaign book just for Cosmic Patrol, mm-hmm. so, which seems like something that shouldn't really exist. Well, but why not? Why not carry things over? You're 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 putting these players, uh, I guess, and I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm kind of reading up to make sure I'm correct. Is you're you're they're in this domain of the moon, mm-hmm. and it's all about the escape and the. I'm not saying it can't moon, be done, but I'm not saying it can't be done. What I am saying is it seems a little contrarian, at least to the way we've played Cosmic Patrol, which is really over the top. And these guys would be disfigured or maimed or scarred in some way if they ever actually showed back up again. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, I'm wondering how it's going to work. It's actually, I say it's weird, but I'm actually really looking forward to trying it. Yes. I, I mean, I know Ryan immediately, like as soon as I handed it to him, he started flipping through it and mm-hmm. he's like, okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. I was like, awesome. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to it as well. It, even if we don't do the whole campaign, just, you know, pick and choose some missions out of there. Mm-hmm. That'll be awesome. Well, and that's uh, one of the great things about Cosmic Patrol. I think is that it's so accessible and as long as you have anything resembling an imagination, you can have fun with that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's not for everybody, that being said. But I know our group just loves it. Uh, I think we're actually talking about playing Saturday. I think we are. And we're also talking about uh, possibly making an episode out of it in the future where we do a playthrough and see if the listeners want to listen to us play a game of Cosmic Control. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, and we're going to talk more about what that might look like in the future. That's one of those things. It's one of those formats I think we're going to have to try, see how it works. And if we can't make it work for us, we'll stop doing them. But I, I think it could be a lot of fun because we have some really uh, amazing moments that we can't relate. You can't tell, tell about somebody about something that was fun and funny. Yeah, it's one of those you had to be there to see it. Yeah, or at least listen, right? <laughs> at least listen. <laughs> so at that point, you know, we 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 met back up at the Cryptozoic booth. Yeah, and uh, we we this is well, post, before, this is post blank 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 blank. Yeah, and uh, oh, he I gave, know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, he gave us he gave us some advice of a game to try out. And it was the the DC deck builder game that Cryptozoic put out. Mm-hmm. So I sat down. I waited on everybody to get around the table. I mean, we you know we waited for everybody there, and uh, we played it, loved it. And you and I bought the last two copies at Gen Con. Well, at least the last two I could see. Yeah, no, they were the last two. I confirmed it. Those oh, were we, they? We, okay. we bought the last two. Like you bought the one that they had under 
underneath uh-huh. like in their storage area i bought the last one because it was it literally was the the dem not the demo copy but the display copy yeah. so we bought them out yeah um I, th- I think it's worth noting a couple of things about this deck builder that kind of separates it in my mind from some of the other ones um if you've played penny arcade it's going to seem somewhat familiar because it does have a the pvp attack mechanic kind of but the thing i really like about it is that you only have one resource so you're never stuck in a situation where you're locked out of buying at the board. And yeah, that's I was gonna say that streamline process makes it mm-hmm. the most enjoyable deck builder that I, I got to try during the con. Minus another one, but that was legendary. Yeah, which we're not gonna anyway. talk about that this episode. No, we won't. Anyway, yeah, but, so uh, no, it was absolutely fun. Um, I actually got the copy, like Tim said, and right before we sat down to record tonight, I just got done playing a quick game with my daughter. Um, teaching her how to play and you know she's 10 years old but by the end of the first game she was starting to get in the rhythm and she actually didn't do bad on points uh you know i I did win but it was um she came in you know within 10 points of me and it was uh it was fun yeah i mean i had a lot of fun you know i i I will say for me it was mainly because i got to play batman Mm -hmm. even though we didn't let you have any of your stuff Yes, I know you took all my equipment, but yes. anyway, it was a, like my big thing is like you said, it's a, it's a it's a it's not a two resource system; it's a one resource system. Mm-hmm. And so I like the fact that we could probably it's like those fifteen dollar uh, card games we bought over the weekend. You know, we can we can play one of those games in like twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, I think once you know the rules and everything else, I mean, I'm curious to see how long it takes because our demo took about fifteen or twenty minutes, right? And that was with three supervillains that we had to defeat before the game was over. And, um, you know, the first supervillain is always Raza Ghoul. And then there's this deck of 12 that you can, um, that you can, or 11 additional, rather, that you can pull in number out of. And when the last one dies, um, that's who, that's it. We right. played to three earlier tonight and it took about, it took about an hour, but I was teaching uh, two people how to play. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it was a little slow going, um, you know, with, given the fact they don't have a lot of experience with these kind of games. I think if you sit down with any person who knows how to play any of the major deck builders, though, you can teach them how to play incredibly quickly. And it's very combo heavy. Like you can chain in this to that to this to that. And mm-hmm. you can even if you're losing, it's like uh, it's like he was talking about. Even if you're losing, you get these moments that are just awesome. Yeah, you get those epic turns. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm, I think we should sit down and play some and talk more about it um, in the future. But uh, it was definitely, uh, I think, one of my favorite buys from Gen Con. I, I, I'll have to admit, I, I can't say that's my favorite buy so far. I didn't, say, I didn't say my favorite. I said one of my favorites. One of your favorites. Okay. And I will say that it's definitely one of my favorites because we all know what my favorite Buyers from the con. I'm, I'm not guess, saying I'm, it might be Monty Cook's signature. Yeah, I'm, I was guessing. <laughs> I was guessing Numeria there. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna let you guess it. I was just gonna reveal. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's how excited I am about the setting and getting to see Monty Cook and talk to Monty Cook. And mm-hmm. anyway, sorry, fanboying out again. Um, that's what this whole thing is. We're we're two fanboys <laughs> enjoying the genre and. Uh, I really think if you've been listening to the interviews we've been doing with some of the other guys, you can tell that when we sit down and interview, we just like geeking out with these guys. Um, and we got to geek out with somebody pretty special, uh, on, on, uh, Saturday, on Sunday. 
Yes, we did. I uh, this was this was something for me. Um, I set I set up the interview. I actually was uh, talking back and forth with our guest, which again, as you can see, we are purposely not saying who it is because when we transition to it, we want you to be surprised. Um, <laughs> or you can read the show notes and find out early. <laughs> or that I'm hoping you didn't <laughs> read the show notes. Um, but yeah, it was probably one of the other most exciting parts about the convention for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've enjoyed all the work uh, that this company has done. Uh, I own, I own, uh, now I own about four or five products from them uh, and it's slowly growing. Uh, my next one to pick up is probably going to be Gravwell, uh, just based on walking by and looking at the demo the last time. And, um, our panelists that we had on uh, day one's episode, Will, he absolutely loved it. He sat down and played one quick demo and he jumped up to buy it. Yeah, so it was. Uh, it, it's got to be a, a pretty good game if you like that kind of game, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, I'm going to hand off to our past selves again. Yeah. As they interview a very special guest here on Epic Turn. Yeah, they do good work, don't they? They do. Okay. Yeah. So take it away. Well, uh, guys, we have uh, Corey Jones, the CEO and president. Uh, uh, CCO. CCO. Sorry. I don't want my COO to get upset. CCO. Uh, what is a CCO? Uh, Chief Creative Officer. So I'm in charge of all of like the uh, the creative side of product development. So sort of like what games we do and how do they look and what are the themes or we do original IP. Gotcha. Like you know, uh, being uh, in charge of that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, that that's from Cryptozoic, by the way. Uh, so Corey, uh, how how's the con going? Uh, great so far. The um, you know we have uh, a bunch of new board game stuff. Uh, we sold out of the uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Our uh, you know uh, second of the uh, two, the Lord of the Rings uh, deck building games. So um, that's been amazing. Everyone's been coming up all day asking. Uh, or, sorry, all day yesterday was we coming up buying it up, and then we ran out yesterday. And so today I've, I've been standing up there and I've seen five people come up and ask and I'm, I'm bummed that I don't have the game to sell to them. We had uh, airshipped in a, a number because they're not quite out yet. And so uh, we just wanted to make sure some people at the con had a chance to play it and buy it. And uh, But it wasn't a big enough number, clearly, and so we're, we're out. But uh, the response has been amazing. It's been, it's been awesome. So uh, we have... Uh, We've been working with John Kovalik, and so we have uh, Raffle, you can see. Yes, we have Raffle in front of us. We'll have to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have Raffle, and, and uh, John actually flew out and has been demoing the game here. It's been awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's like the nicest guy ever. He sits, he explains the game, talks to you, and then in the middle he'll get up and get pictures with people. I mean, everyone <laughs> loves uh, loves John because he's just so approachable and so nice. That's good. And uh, You want that You want that from the game creator. Yeah, yeah. We were. I, I feel uh, lucky that uh, we had the chance to publish the game. Like, this is John's designed entirely the art all over it is his design he actually put that logo together like i mean everything about this is john so um it's awesome to have him uh have him here demoing it and showing people he seems pretty uh pretty thrilled and we got some good reviews of it um the other like kind of good story for me besides the big story for me which is hex right um, right. which i think we're going to get to here in a little bit because i know that's my uh my big ticket item of Gen Con. Right. Well, my second big ticket item of Gen Con. <laughs> um, uh, it's a, a game called Gravwell. And oh. so uh, Gravwell is an interesting story because uh, last Gen Con, mm-hmm. we had a guy come into the booth. His, his name was Corey, too, actually. So Kai comes in the booth. He's got a box, a bunch of homemade little pieces. Uh, we, I'd like to show you a game. We sit down. Okay, cool. So we'll, uh, play the game with him. We're like, this is pretty good. Uh, this Gen Con, it is produced and on the booth. Wow. And so he has been uh, here demoing. He's probably going to be here in a minute. 
Uh, he's been here demoing the game. Like, it's so awesome. I, I, this is his first published game. It's so awesome to see someone actually, like, living the dream, like, having the chance to come pitch your game and have someone make it and then come back to Gen Con and have it be, you know, featured at the booth and being able to demo with everyone. Um, I know a friend of, a friend of ours uh, was demoed it here yesterday. And bought it immediately. And bought it immediately. Yeah. He raved about it. It's our, it's, I think it's our best-selling thing right now. Like, wow. uh, you know, I think the Two Towers was selling fast and sold out. But overall, I think Gravwell has been, like, our fastest-selling item, wow. which is, for me, awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, being a, being a hobby gamer and a creative and all that stuff uh, and understanding how hard it is to, you know, get something actually made and work with yeah. a publisher and all that junk, uh, it just makes me thrilled that we have the opportunity to pick up someone's game at Gen Con and have it out by the next Gen Con. I would say that that is living the dream. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, I, I think that also means listeners may or may not uh, approach you next year with boxes on boxes of games. Uh, that, we, well, awesome. we, it's happened this year. Like, oh, it's, wow. it's going on right now. My partner Scott is over there actually being demoed someone's, someone's game. You see all the, you know, paper cutouts and it's, it's in a Shogun box. Like, uh, you know, we've looked at a bunch of games uh, over the course of the weekend. We have a, a new... Uh, a new head of our board gaming group. Uh, his name is Adam, and uh, he is amazing. Like uh, we're so blessed. I mean, we have so many rock stars that work in Cryptozoic, and we continue to attract uh, some pretty incredible talent. And so, as we've been growing, we've been just getting these great people. And we had great people to start with. So, you know, between Adam and our uh, lead board game designer Matt Hyra, who's like a machine. Our joke at work is that Matt. <laughs> Matt has a, a bunch of clones. And Matt is able to clone himself. That's the only way we can explain how much how much work he does. Is that he has a group of Matts at home working on stuff as well. <laughs> you may want to look into that. There could be some Geneva Convention codes being broken. Hey, what Matt does on his spare time is Matt's <laughs> business. If he wants to clone himself, who am I to stop him? Especially when he makes good stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll take up five or six more Matts. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, when you have a game like you picked up Grab Well. Like, what do you did you help like refine the rules and do playtests? Oh yeah, and that, kind of stuff? Um, that one less. But, I mean, it was solid. Like it's uh, it's interesting. Um, like everyone has their styles of games, right? Like, and Grab Ball actually isn't my style of game. Like I'm more splashy combo. We like DC deck building and food fight is an epic spell war for us. All those are very me. I was gonna say epic spell wars. I, I got to try that out. That is awesome. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, right. So, and uh, yeah. those are my style of games. I'm not into like the German like mechanical systems games like you know dreary middle ages theming like uh dma as we call it um so uh, but grabwell is a really it's like very simple to learn super easy to learn but also with this really neat subtle deep strategy and uh and all my engineering friends love it. It's their favorite game. And so it, it has this really the guy interesting... Well, yes, was an engineer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there, there you go. It's perfect. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> one of my friends who comes in, in the office, he travels around the world fixing power plants. Uh, incredibly smart guy, but he, he's off it for long stretches. Comes into the office, Eric, and helps work on board games with us just for fun because he loves them. He's a hardcore gamer. And like again, the engineer, he's like, oh, this game is perfect. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> and... and uh, it's been great. So that means we're not allowed to try this game. We're going to spend more money probably at the booth. But, uh, well, what are we talking about? We're going to go try the game. Right, right. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but what was the question? I ended up rambling. Oh, no, I was just wondering, you know, what does that process look like for somebody who brings you a prototype? Oh, the- yeah, so they'll bring it, they'll show it. Like, we may or may not like it. We see a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it's 
it's more miss than hit typically i mean most people who haven't had the chance to work as a game designer tend to over design or it's over complex or it's hyper mechanical but not fun there's a lot of stuff that goes into it Um, but then occasionally you'll find someone who's really knocked out of the park and you can just kind of tell like this is a good game like this is fun and then for us um, we will actually work with someone and oh, that's the point. We will iterate with them. So even our even like all the licensed products that we have, typically we come up with a game and uh, we tend to have a lot of like gaming licenses, like video games. And uh, all the people at video game companies that we work with typically are hardcore hobby gamers too. And so they really have a passion for being involved. And so they'll give us comments and we'll iterate or they'll give us a game that they've designed and then we'll go back and forth and explain why this isn't working and how we can fix it or what you're trying to accomplish from top-down design. And then we'll go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, same thing with the people who supply stuff for us. Um, typically, we uh, often will tell people, like, well, we're, we're, we'll, we're looking for mechanics, and so your game is mechanically great, but then we want to rebrand it and retheme it uh, to try to potentially build bigger IPs uh, that uh, that we can grow from there. Um and then we will actually go through the process of applying all of the things that we do very, very well, which is the fit and finish piece. You know, I've said it many times, I got a real fetish for fit and finish, making sure that, like, I have some of the greatest graphic designers, like, I have access to all the best artists. And so, like, we'll make sure that it looks absolutely gorgeous. And uh, that's, that's, that's important to us. Like, I, I, I've been a lifelong hobby gamer, and, uh, my actual my background in terms of schooling oddly is uh, graphic design and marketing and so I got a real like like you know, graphic designs very randomly is just super important to me because it's just trained into me from school and it was the one thing like when I would be hobby gaming like 10 years ago it's like man I do not like the look of half the games I'm playing <laughs> I don't like the art I don't like these logos all the icons on this stuff really like you know frustrating to me and so that's one of the things I've loved about this is like I'm going to make the best looking games possible outside of knowing that we're also trying to make the best playing games possible. So that's one of the good things we're able to do. Too. I was going to say, if it looks good but plays well like crap, what's the problem? Right, right. You know? but, I don't know, of course. Luckily, like, luckily I don't you guys got both, you know, you're able to do both fields. So. I, you know, it, we try. I mean, I, I love all of our games, but we'll, you know, uh, I, I've, we've had bad reviews on some of our stuff too I mean well, everything can always be better yeah but also it's, uh, I think gaming like art is very subjective yes. like I have a, like you know the like I, I, the only one of our games that I just like you know from ground up just did myself uh, I had input later but was really my uh, outside of like you know all the stuff for hacks or whatever um, and my input I put input into all of our games but uh, Walking Dead the first board game okay. and uh I worked so hard to understand like who the audience was, what, and then what I was trying to accomplish from a top-down design in terms of translating the show into a gaming experience. And I and I decided it was all about tension, right? Like the, the whole point of that show is all this tension all the time. Like what's going to happen? Are you know and the resources? And are we going to have things? And, and so I really tried to emulate that with with the Walking Dead, and I've demoed it like you know a hundred plus times at shows. And so many of the games end up with everyone screaming and yelling. As, like, the one person's laugh and two people became, like, this whole idea of, like, we're all in it together, sort of, 
because that was part of the show. And then all of a sudden, like somebody gets turned into a zombie. Now they're actively against you. So going from everyone for themselves to then it kind of becoming more cooperative because then the zombie players start working together to try to stop the other guy. There were so many clever little hooks in it that emulated specific things from the show. And at the end, when there's one guy left and two zombies are coming and he has to roll the six and have one card left, all this tension and drama that I've seen play out a hundred times. And then I go read the reviews of it and it's like, this is roll and go schlock. This is terrible. And I'm just like, it's really crushing when I would spend so much time on this like very intricate design that was about emulating a type of experience that is top down from what the show does. Um, that it's, you know, it gives you the lesson that you can't take all of these reviews too seriously as a creative. You have to kind of let it go because you knew what you were trying to accomplish. You can look at people having the experience and understand if you accomplished it. And that's kind of it. I lost my train of thought. No, but I think you're, I, I, I gotta say I think you are right because that's that's one thing. Even our own playthrough, you know, we have people who enjoy deck builders. We have people who hate deck builders. Yeah. Even yeah. though the mechanics are sound, everything's great and it flows nicely. They even have fun. They'll just say, "I hate this game." Yeah, right. It's, it's this, this, and this. It's like okay, move on. And of course, when you're talking about being sensitive to reviews, guys that love the game are much less likely to go out and give them. No, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, there's the one, like, I don't know, reviews, a lot of reviews I read, I feel like, um, you know, they start off with, like, I hate Italian food, uh, let me review this Italian restaurant. And then, like, <laughs> you know, nine-tenths of it's, like, why Italian food's bad, I don't like sauces, and it's all so spicy, and at the very end, and this restaurant, uh, they have pasta. It's like, okay, you, I know you don't like Italian food, and you've explained to me why Italian food's bad, and then, like, you didn't really tell me about this specific and then I'll see him like for some of the board game ones too, and I'm like, I I feel very strongly they didn't really play the game. Right. Like you're reviewing something you didn't actually sit and play at least once <laughs> or twice. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty disingenuous. Well, we actually uh, la- uh, our last actual episode before Gen Con, we did the Ten Commandments of a Good Board Game Night, and one of the commandments was give a game more than one chance. Oh, so, yeah, the variance yeah. requires, yes. like, I, you know how many times I've played a card game and been blown out? I'm like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I had no chance. I'm totally disengaged because I had no chance. But then, you know, on, yeah, exactly, further playthrough, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's that's kind of the point of gaming is that with, without variance, I'm playing chess. That's the thing yeah. about chess, right? No variance. Right. And yes. that's, yeah. <laughs> that's where... Uh, I like chess and all, but like, holy Moses, I do not want to like, you know, that's, that's not what I do for fun. Like I, I will play, sure? but yeah. <laughs> I think we're seeing what he does for fun. Yeah. Like, around this right now. <laughs> well, no, it's chess specifically. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, but, uh, I love variants. It's what makes, you know, gaming exciting. And, and that's the, the name behind our podcast is Epic Turn. Right. You have those moments where... Yeah. We were just talking about a few minutes ago about yep. DC Legendary, where you can, you know, the guy was talking about how he pulled out 72 DC points. DC Deck Builder. Sorry, DC. Not Legendary. Excuse uh, me. Excuse me. DC Deck Building. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long con. No, so no, I understand. Scrambled up. Uh, but yeah, DC I'll, Deck I'll Building. Right. Uh, 72 points in one turn. That is, like, yeah, he, yeah. he was describing all of it, every combo he did. Right. That's an epic turn, and that's that's what is fun about all hobby games. Yeah, we, we call it the live the dream moment. Like, it's... Yes. Yeah. Is any of those moments that you're going to talk about for weeks or months or even years later? Right. And then those are what I think as gamers we try to, you know, that make us come back and play again. Right, right. Yeah. Transitioning from board games, because yeah. uh, we have a Hex t-shirt, and, uh, Corey's wearing a Hex t-shirt, we got Hex behind us, we got Hex everywhere. 
How is Hex? Oh, yeah, yeah. How is it doing here at Gen Con? Um, So far, amazing. We had some, like, you know, uh, hiccups. I was here for uh, those. Yeah, at the beginning (laughs) of the first day. We put everything on wireless routers. And so uh, we thought, oh, this would be great. We tested it. It worked. We didn't realize was that when 10,000 people walked into this convention hall with uh, cell phones, they would all be pinging the wireless router. (laughs) And they brought them all down. And they put it back up and bring them all down again. And so we had to go run out and buy, like... uh, 50, 25 foot long Cat5 cables so we could plug everything in. And so we hardwired it all and then it worked perfectly. Nice. So, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, it's been uh, really a, 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 like I keep using the word, but like a surreal experience basically. Oh, you got the uh, promo gas. I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been kind of a surreal experience um, after the Kickstarter. Like I, I talk about that this a lot, but like uh, from about the, well, about the week before Kickstarter, when like uh, we knew we were, we were doing it, this is it because it was been on, like we made the video months before and it was sort of on hold. Uh, I you know having nightmares every night and then not sleeping the whole day the night before the thing launched <laughs> and to, like and then so I hadn't slept and I'm all just zany and then the thing launches and I'm getting all these messages from people. Hey, it's amazing. Um, it was from about that point forward, my whole life has been pretty surreal. Like uh, and then this show. Is only uh, attends a Gen Con attendee. Hold on, guys. Media guest of honor autograph area. Janita Gonkar of True Blood and Stargate Atlantis fame. Peter Davison, the fifth doctor of Doctor Who fame. And Neil Grayson, Warehouse 13 and Eureka fame. Stop by the autograph area located near the art show to get your autographs today. I gotta, I gotta go, guys. I gotta get some autographs. Bye. <laughs> um, so it's been uh, the, the surreal in that uh, we've been able to come to Gen Con and actually meet all of these people. Like I've seen all of so many people on my forums. Like you know, Bar uh, with sixteen hundred posts over the last like six weeks. Uh, I actually got to have dinner with him and sit and talk for like an hour, and uh, it's been insane actually meeting the people that were so passionate and have been so supportive and that has been like uh, just a dream come true like it's it, like I get weepy like it's crazy like we had a, a dinner for all the like dragon lord level people up and uh, we had 50 people there like we had one of the people Colin um, he's probably spent $30,000 on the game already he's at the producer level he bought a bunch of like tiers for other people he flew three people that were part of the community into Gen Con so they could be part of the experience. Like, wow. Um, I mean, it's like the kind That's of like the community that we built, uh, have built the community we've been blessed with is uh, insane. And if you go to our like, like I said, yeah, I'm in a guild. There's like 150 people in it. There's a guild. They're not even the biggest one. With over a hundred people for a game that's not even out yet. Like, I feel like um, Hex because of what it's trying to do has been uh, blessed with a certain type of uh, gamer, a, a certain type of uh, you know fan at this point. And it's, it's trying to be a whole new genre. It's trying to be incredibly imaginative, incredibly inventive. Like most of my product stuff is always trying to be half invention, half product. And I think the people that have rallied to it right now are all, tend to be all very creative and uh, have a real, a very passionate and they can see what the vision of this game could be, and they also see all the opportunity that this game represents in terms of being this insanely large blank canvas. And that's why if you go to our message boards, the majority of the posts are about what would be awesome in this game. It's not 
you know, uh, complaining and it's not, you know, being trolling and snarky. It's a bunch of people genuinely excited about what this type of game could represent and how it can be awesome. And like, I, I just am so excited to have this community and so blessed. Like I told people, I told them at the dinner, I go, listen, raising 2.5 million when you were looking for 300,000 is incredible, but worth tenfold that money is having this group of people come together to be supportive of this game and to be the advocates and kernel, the, the acorn of what's going to grow into a, you know, hopefully mighty tree of community. I think it will be. I mean, that's the one thing I noticed when I signed into the forums is the trolling aspect you would expect on the forum wasn't right. there. And the other thing was, is just reading some of the creative, honestly, ideas that they have for the PvE experiences, the raid experiences, the dungeons. I mean, I, I sat back and went, I, wow, just... That's why recently I put a post up there, I'm like, because I, I was reworking the guild GDD, because uh, I wanted to like, I think, is there some room I haven't, like, is there something I haven't explored? Like, it's kind of light right now, and I want it to be much deeper because I'm seeing people talk about it, and I know guilds are going to be important. I'm like, you know what? I'm honestly going to start a thread. What do you guys want? Because all the ideas have been so good. I'm like, I can crowdsource from this amazing community probably 100 ideas that are better than one that I would have. And sure enough, there's tons of ideas in there that are awesome and are going to end up in the game. And so, I, I mean, just over and over and over again, I've had people come up and give me a great idea, and I'm like, you know what? That's, that's in the bank. And it's something we can explore later. It's it's insanity. Like, sounds like you're gonna be pretty busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have. I mean, <laughs> even before that, we had a giant laundry list of features we're gonna add to the game. How the game looks the, from the day it comes out to how it looks two years from when it comes out is gonna be very different. I mean, look at something like World of Warcraft. It's two different games now and when it came out. Yeah. And we have a giant list of features we're gonna keep adding. Um, you know. Hex is an MMOTCG. You know, what does that mean? And so we've outlined, like, you know, that top line of, like, how exciting those two things when they come together become. And I keep telling people, I go, listen, there's, a, you know, when we made the decision, even more importantly than that, we made the decision to be digital only and not a physical game. We went from having a fixed canvas that's been painted on for 20 years and uh, painted on the back and painted over and scraped and painted again um, to rolling out the canvas. And it's in, an embarrassment of riches. I've used this, like, analogy a few times but like on the board game side they, you, to mine for an ounce of gold is a hard work and maybe you'll get there and this game you go to look for gold and it's laying on the ground and you gotta get a wheelbarrow and like you know it's just it's ridiculous every idea we have leads to 10 more ideas We're like hey write all that down because like we don't want to lose all those great ideas I will say I got to try the demo out while I've been here. Great. And super excited. The interface is really solid, very clean. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm not surprised. It's not like when, um, you know, you and I had this discussion Thursday uh, when I got here. And, you know, we were talking about other online trading card games are out right now. And how some of the interfaces feel clunky or you really don't know what you're doing. Or it looks like it was, you know, made in the 1990s. And I will say Hex is polished, at least from what we are getting here at Gen Con. And this, is, this, is, this is pre-alpha. Right. This pre-alpha. is not wow. the level of polish that I'm going to accept. Right. Like, right. it's but eventually, like, I think it looks great, and it's definitely getting there. But there's lots of little things I'm going to be changing to make it even easier to play. That past priority button has already been changed. This build doesn't have it. How that works. Like, the, the slide timer between the... the so there's the, the, the countdown timers. Yeah. In the middle is a little slide timer that's telling you what phase you're in. You can click on that, it brings up an interface, and then for each of the phases, you can click hard stop, 
um, no stop or slide timer on that. And then that gives you that little, like, you know, three-second countdown timer. So, uh, in the end, I feel very, like, of nothing else, I feel very confident saying we will be the best-looking online TCG out there. Well, the card art's already amazing. Yeah, it's getting, it's uh, it's definitely um, getting better and better. Uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Like, we, uh, we've used, at this point, hundreds of artists. I mean, there are probably seven or eight hundred cards that have been created and so like that's seven or eight hundred paintings like you don't realize is that it starts off with like you know building the world and then from there hiring a bunch of concept guys to do the races so at least the artists know because we had nothing at least the artists know what the races kind of look like and then hiring a bunch of people to like writing up a brief description of what the card needs to look like and then hiring a, a somebody we hire people to write like a full page brief of what the card is going to look like an art a real art description there's an orc he's jumping through the air he's wearing a belt and the belt has because like, the artist isn't going to necessarily know how to make all of that up and so like a, a page long art description and then that goes to the artist and then we have to go around a few rounds of them doing sketches and for 800 pieces of art that was a monumental task like you know will brinkman uh and i uh do all the art acquisition and management stuff and uh yeah wow that is a that's a big task so a lot of like clicking between photos and doing comparisons mostly uh mainly it's we like when we were in the heavy of it like because right now we're about to book set two art uh we're done with set one and pv and the launch stuff um Basically, it was like we would get uh, batches in, and then every morning I would come in, and we would have a art review meeting, and we would sit, and we would go through all the different things and make notes on all the different sketches or make notes on all the different finals, and then just kind of go back and forth, back and forth. Um, most of the artists we've uh, had the opportunity to work with have been knocking it out of the park, so we have very little back and forth uh, at times, which has been great. Uh, but it is a, it's actually one of the funnest things about the job for me because I am very art-centric and artist-centric. And so um, walking out of that meeting, when I see a bunch of our vision come to life as art, it, I'm walking on air. It's unbelievable. Like It keeps me uh, elated for the rest of the day. So that's been. I like, have a question about it. how big are those art prints when they start out? Uh, they they build them to size, so I, I don't know what the pixel dimension is, but we know what the biggest that you're going to see them in the game are, and so they actually work to that size uh, because making it making it much much larger so you get a lot more detail in is sort of lost opportunity because they're not going to be used any bigger, and it allows the artist actually to. Uh, not have any kind of wasted effort. I mean, all the freelancers are, they're hourly in a sense because basically the only way they can manage their time, right? Like right. They, how much they charge per card, they have no idea how many hours they have to work on it so that it makes sense for them. Uh, and so we make sure that they can do them at the, uh, you know, the smallest size possible that's still usable at all of our resolutions. I know, um, I know William brought this up and uh, I was hoping you would kind of touch on it is he was mentioning a deck building mode being built in the hex like a uh, like uh, instead of dungeon where you do deck building instead of oh yeah TCG. Uh, so that's one of the things like we haven't released a ton of PVE information and I think it's the one place where people are going to be most surprised um, you know everyone can kind of understand like hey I'm playing a trading card game it's a virtual space like that conceptually is pretty easy and so that's what everyone's kind of fixated on because that's sort of what we're pushing as uh, you know, sort of the first piece of the game but what people haven't had a really good chance to see, and they will in the future, is the PVE experience. And 
we very uh, consciously made the decision that we didn't want you to feel like the PVE dungeon stuff was like just like, oh, it's kind of like grindy. I'm playing a TCG over and over. And there's lots of TCG play, but we mixed it up, and uh, Chris Woods uh, actually was the lead uh, PVE ex- dungeon experience designer. He has come up with so many incredible alternate experiences using your same cards. Everything from, uh, you know, as you were talking about, a you know, deck building experience in a dungeon where you're picking cards all the way to a like a werewolf you know werewolf is where like so you're, you're getting clues and you're trying to pick which of the villagers is this wendigo and then you go into a card battle and the clues will drop so you can try and, and you're trying to pick the guy and then when you do you actually fight the wendigo and it's a big all the way over to sort of like this like uh, fantasy sports thing with my uh, squirrels versus dinosaurs where you get a deck we have an arena in the game and every year i'm going to pick two things to fight so the first year, it's squirrels versus dinosaurs. So in our game, we have squirrel titans. There's these giant fire-breathing squirrels, and we have dinosaurs. And so everyone has to pick when they come to the arena, are you a giant squirrel person or a dinosaur person? And you get you get a deck, and it's this giant squirrel deck. And as you play, you earn points. As you play, fight in the arena and win, you earn points, and there's a menu, and you can spend the points on star player cards to add to your deck to build your team. And then if you finish the whole thing and win the tournament, you're going to get a squirrel card uh, that is an awesome PvE squirrel card. And uh, if you play dinosaurs you, and you win, you get an awesome PvE dinosaur card. But if you have the dinosaur card or you have the squirrel card, you cannot have the other one. So you're oh, making a wow. decision. All <laughs> my games are going to hate this. <laughs> and I'm saying no. That you're making a decision. Are you a giant? Are you a dinosaur person or a giant squirrel person? And then, so like next year, I'm going to pick two other funny things to fight in the arena, and then you have to pick one or the other. And so every year, we'll rotate in two new, uh, two new things. Uh, the mental image you gave me when you said squirrels versus dinosaurs was like a T-Rex being swarmed by like by all the little yeah right. No, no, no. Our squirrels are pretty badass. They're uh, these <laughs> giant dinosaur-sized squirrels that breathe fire. Uh, some of my favorite art in the game is actually our squirrel titans. They're hilarious. I don't think I saw one of them. I know I saw some of the dinosaurs. When I, I don't think we spoiled the squirrel titan card yet. Oh, okay. We're a giant right. squirrel breaking through trees, breathing fire, and all these deers <laughs> running away. There's a running joke in like because uh, one of the things that we're going to do a better job of in the future, we started to do it, is making sure that the reveal part of the card when you get the extended art actually has something that's revealing that's funny or it has part of a narrative. We were just so overloaded on the first set. We didn't do a ton of it. But one of the things that seemed to end up happening just ambiently, there seemed to be deers running away from things. So that kind of became a running joke where we like, the reveal would be like some deers running away. That and the frog. It revealed a frog like four or five times. And then I started telling people like the Niblin hunting pack, they're killing a frog. It's like an inside joke because... Next year's deers versus frogs. <laughs> yeah, right? Deers versus frogs. No, I don't know next year. I was thinking like... Uh, you know, like giant monkeys versus robots, like because you have a lot of robots, giant robots in the game. Eh, it's kind of like too standard. So I'm gonna think of something funny. <laughs> Maybe it'll be thematically linked, also. Like, you know, as we do expansions, like we're we're, we're moving to a four set a year block, like a uh, block. You're gonna do three. We decided four is probably better because digital content. You're gonna kind of probably move through it quicker than you would physical. So having stuff fresh every three months as opposed to four felt better. Um, and then we'll have the, you know, uh, 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 four sets to a block. And uh, the plan is that as we move through the blocks, we'll unlock more of the map. There's this big, giant 3D globe you can, like, spin in the game and the interface and look around at all the topography. And I've mapped out seven years' worth of content on it. 
And so as you move through uh, after a year to the new block, that's what a new piece of the map will unlock. And then you can click on it, it blows up into all the areas you can go. And that's when we'll start to introduce new story beats, new races, all that stuff. So maybe the arena will be more of a reflection of kind of what thematically is going on with the new block stuff. That'd be cool. Or, more likely, it'll be some random nonsense that I come up with that uh, just seems fun. Either way, it sounds like it'll be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I like the random nonsense. I think that would be... I'm already liking this squirrel versus dinosaur thing. It's, yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. I'm, uh, I'm the king of random nonsense. Like, uh, it's my favorite thing. I think, I think that's the title of the episode. Uh, random nonsense. King of random nonsense. Oh, nice. Yeah. Call it Gen Con. Gen Con, day four. King of random nonsense. <laughs> yeah, you, that's like epic spell wars. I mean, yeah. like... Which, by the way, we, I saw the trophy you posted on yeah, Facebook I, a yeah. couple nights ago. Uh, the gem no. fell the eye. got to get some super glue and glue the no. eye back and the gem back in the eye. But other than that, it's, that thing is rock solid. I've glued and drilled that thing together. It's not going anywhere. I'm excited to give it out today. When is that? When are you, when are you doing that today? Uh, it's, I think, kind of towards the end of the day. We've been running the tournaments over there all four days. Is that if you the win, you, Yeah, if you oh, win yeah. the Epic Spell War Tournament, you qualify to come for the big Annihilageddon. Nice. And, uh, and then if you win that, you get the trophy that I made. Yeah. That was fun. Like, I, I, I had wanted to do it last year. We just bought a little trophy. It was pretty cool. It was a statue of a wizard holding a snow globe with a dragon in it. It was just crazy. I'm like, that's actually pretty epic spell warsy. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I really want to make <clears throat> a trophy. And so I spent the, the like a week working on that thing. And it turned out pretty good. <clears throat> I was pretty proud. For the listeners, I know we'll have to, we'll have to like, take some of the photos and put them up on the show notes so everybody can see them. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Check it out. It's pretty epic. We're all all run over. And probably take a photo before this sure. is all over. The uh, yeah, that game is great. I love it. We're working on the second. Uh, so I actually met with the designer Rob Pineso, and uh, he's uh, working on the number two. And the artist Nick is uh, all set to go for number two. And uh, hopefully next year we'll have Epic Spell War two out. That'll be that'll be awesome. That's another one that has a lot of like random nonsense. And if you look at the cards, they're all zany. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I just haven't got to pick it up yet. It's a little. I, we we had we had an adult warning label to the uh, the front of the box because the story on the inside oh, <coughs> has uh, some pretty salty language. Uh, <coughs> well, luckily we don't have that. We're good. You're right. But buy Epic Spell Wars as long as you if your parents are okay with it. Yeah, it's not for the the, the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I have a warning label, I can go over the top. Yes, yeah, yes Epic Spell Wars too. It's giving me just you know, <laughs> hey, it outrageous. It works for spoils at one point. They had to have that on the first print. So, right. I mean, you can get away with it at that point. Um, well, I think that. I think, I think, I think that's it. Yeah. It that's it. That, well, well, what, tell us. Tell us what you want to tell us. <laughs> uh, uh, we might be here for the next like three hours. <laughs> no, I, no, I, if you guys, you've had a chance to play Hex, which is awesome. You got one of the promo cards. I did. I, I actually had to stop in and uh, I walked up to him. I was like, hey, because I, I, we've been you know going around the car. Right. I actually asked William this. I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to get to the TCG hall in enough time. Is there a way I can sneak up and grab a Hex? He's like, no. So I walked up and was like, I'm talking to Corey tomorrow. I want to have one with me. They're like, here you go, here you go. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yes. So at nice. least we can we can take a photo of it and show everybody that this is Dax, the, the Gen Con exclusive wizard. So. Well, I, I can get you the other guy, too. I mean, you know, yes, you need it for your uh, for your research and for your, yes, your podcast. Yes. So, yes, uh, yes. Let's, let's go with research. Research, research right. as in... Uh, 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, we have the other one, the, uh, the exclusive. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's cool about it is that we we made him like the uh, all the races in the game have really interesting stories to them, and so uh, all of the rogues in the elf race are all part of like the uh, acting troupe and musicians, and so like they're bards and actors, but they're also like you know rogues and thieves and assassins, and so this guy is actually like a bard. Uh, looking dude that's also an assassin and so it's uh, pretty cool and so that's what we're like it's nice because we can kind of like that was a good way for us to mercenary to use to tell story and give you a little deeper insight into the game and then this the Gax one is just again talk about random nonsense you may uh, you may notice uh, the first letter of the his name Gax the Sly Roller uh. Uh, well, so, but take the first letter of each of those words. Oh, t- oh okay. Right? So, and then, all right. So all he right. was clearly a homage yeah, to, yeah. And then uh, you'll notice that if you, this guy, if you look at uh, old, old, very first of sort of imagery, uh, you'll see some similarities. Uh, so anyway, he's uh, like, you know, he makes these dice. And it was just a really fun, random little way for us to sort of... You know, talk about the things that inspire us and, and things that make us happy, and especially being here at Gen Con, which is all about for me, like oh, yeah. you know, my roots of gaming. Which, like, the first thing ever, first board game I ever played was Monopoly with a babysitter when I was seven, and the first like hobby game I played was D and D. And I, I, I credit D and D with uh, helping me learn to read. Like, I have massive dyslexia and have real reading problems, but I wanted to read the. I wanted to read. Oh, <laughs> Don't sorry. worry, we're, we're gonna bleep it. Don't worry, you're cool. You're uh, cool. I wanted to read that monster manual so bad that I made myself learn how to read. I mean, I remember being in a daycare and seeing a guy. I was going to monsters as a kid, being in a daycare and seeing a guy there. One of the counselors uh, had the monster manual. I'm like, there's a manual for monsters. I couldn't. I couldn't believe my my head exploded. I, I like I was I walking over by him so I could look at the pages and I see his monster drawings. And then I had to have it. My my grandmother went and bought me the original D&D stuff and uh, and I forced myself to learn how to read so I could actually read those uh, those manuals I would say I, I actually give D&D credit to becoming more social because when I was a kid I was not as social as I was but uh, I had a lot of older friends who played D&D and Hero Quest right. and that yeah so being around you know Gen Con like you said it's it's a call back to the home it's, it's the best. Everybody here can be who they are. Yep, absolutely. And I will say that's one thing to, to touch back on when you're talking about like Gax and that. Because that's what I love about Hex these mercenary things you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. They're zany, they're fun. Yeah, they're that's not, the point of them. They're not, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm just a caster and I cast spells and that's what I do for the whole game. Right on. So, yeah, Gax was, I saw the back of the red, I was like, this is amazing. Very cool. That was, uh, I will be honest with you about one thing about the Hex. When I saw the Kickstarter... I didn't really get it that into it because I've gotten burned on so many online TCGs and things. Right. And um, now after playing it here, I can see a lot of potential and I'm actually getting excited. Great. So I think for those who are going to be hesitant, they really should give this shot. And we actually, you can still jump into the Slackerbacker Kickstarter if you go to hextcg.com so okay. you should what definitely Slackerbacker Slackerbacker was just this opportunity for people who missed the Kickstarter to kind of still get a couple of the rewards and uh, get like a kind of a good value on some packs so nice. it's definitely something to come and check out uh, absolutely one, uh, one question about when are you expecting to actually have that uh, late September for our, our uh, alpha okay. oh man cannot wait one more month to go and I can play it all day long right well 
I know, like I said, we're getting wrapped up. All right, cool. So I'm sorry, we don't want to keep you. No, no, no. It's super nice having a chance to sit and chat with you guys. I love it. It's been great for us. Any last thing you want to plug? No, that's it. No plugs. Well, Jesus, I spent the whole thing. That's all I did was plug everything. Well, that's why we're saying, is there any last bits? No, I just, like, if everyone can go check out hextcg.com, I think they'll be they'll be pretty blown away so I think that's that's awesome and, and you're on Twitter uh yeah Corey Hudson Jones okay alright so all right. great. just some like maybe one follower we're, we're aiming for one nice like nice. low expectations yeah, low yeah expectations. no I'll keep, I'll keep it a reason <laughs> alright all right, well, nice chat with you yes. nice seeing you yeah, nice, yeah, nice seeing you well that was fun I'm still sitting here speechless yeah, not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> no, um, talking with Corey was absolutely fantastic. He was uh, he was very just pleasant to talk to. You could tell he was really passionate about what he was doing, and it, it's that same passion we've seen in so many other uh, people in this industry that just makes it so much fun to talk about. I agree. I, he was probably so he was so down to earth that I felt that I was being way too professional with some of my questions. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't go that far, but (laughs) (laughs) with that being said, like hex was amazing. I got Mm -hmm. to play a couple rounds of it. Um, Yeah. You know, and as far as hex goes, I avoided the Kickstarter because I have gotten burned on so many online, so many online card games. You know, I, I really don't have a lot of hope for that genre in so many ways, but what they're trying to do with hex and I think is showing a lot of promise. I'm actually really excited to see what it looks like as it continues to shape. Agreed. I, I cannot wait the with you know the the hint of when the alpha will drop. I'm super excited since I will be in it, and I'm just going to leave it as that. I think we I think all we can say is again, thank you, Corey, for being on the show and taking the time out of the busy Gen Con schedule to mm-hmm. sit down and chat with us. We really appreciated it. Yeah, absolutely. So now Gen Con's over. We're back home. Yep. We are officially you know a little bit more rested than we were. So I, I think I, I think any amount of rest would be significantly more rested than we were by the end of Sunday. Agreed. Yeah. So we did this when we were at the Munchkin Tavern, and I feel it's it's time to to revisit this because, of course, none of our listeners were there. We hope next year that some of our our listeners want to come out and have a beer with us. We'd love to have you out. Or mm-hmm. if you can't have a beer, you can have a soda. We're you know we yes. don't care. Yes. Fruit juice, um, <laughs> lots of fruit juice. Um, <clears throat> Or if, you know, anyway, yeah. is yeah. Brian, what do you say was your, your good and your bad from Gen Con? I think, you know, we've kind of touched on it over the last couple of episodes. And one of the worst moments for me was when I realized that Ascension wasn't the game I fell in love with, uh, which may sound kind of sad. And I may be late to that party for all I know, but it, it really was a little bit of a, of a stoic moment for me as we said at the worlds this year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, other than that, you know, uh, I think it was that it only lasts four days and I got to wait a year for the next one. <laughs> all right. All right. So what about your good? What is the the best moment, if you will? You know, it, or, or, or your favorite moment or the what is the good? That, well, like, I guess that it's so, I, I, that, honestly, I don't want to talk about my favorite moment because we're going to talk a lot about it on Saturday's episode. Okay. 
You know, okay, so uh, let's put the, okay. What's your second favorite moment? Or how about that's also showing favorite, up on Saturday's episode? Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> if I can't have your first moment and I can't have your second moment, mm-hmm. what about the third moment? Oh, that's personal, man. <laughs> no, um, honestly, I think it was just all overall. It was all the uh, the great people we got to talk to. Um, you know, we got a lot of swag and we got a lot of games and we, you know, the jacket's going to be awesome. Um, but the people we talked to from Privateer, from Cryptozoic, from True Dungeon, uh, from Stone Mayor, all these guys were just phenomenal. All the, you know, panelists we had to get to hang out with, you know, uh, Brother Scott, um, <laughs> you know, uh, got to see Bucky again. You know, yeah. these guys, I think that's really what makes Gen Con worth going to, you know, the people, the experiences. And, uh, I, I can't wait to see these guys again next year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now it's your turn. <laughs> oh, now. Okay. Okay. So my yeah, bad. Follow that up. Okay. I'll follow it up. So my bad moment was, I, besides the fact that, you know, we didn't get to stay in downtown. Yeah, uh, we're uh, we're the, working on fixing that. Working on fixing that. Um, besides yeah. that, honestly, the the bad moment for me throughout the throughout the whole con is uh, it, it's so I don't want to just say Brian, I agree with you, but I have to agree with you. Um, I'm telling you, uh, what, we can make a drinking game out of this. <laughs> uh, Ascension, like realizing that was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going to go for like a cheap shot, like a super cheap shot, because that's what I think I need to do, is I was really sad. I couldn't get my Mega Man and Proto Man starter decks from <laughs> Jasco James. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, go cheap here. Wow, <laughs> um, that was like one of my biggest disappointments. Because, <laughs> well, no, the only reason being is that I like that was one of the big reasons I I wanted to, you know one of my big ticket items besides mm-hmm. uh, High Command was I really wanted the Proto Man and Mega Man starter decks. Yeah, and, and that game just had so much nostalgia for you. I, I can yeah. see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, so I was, that was that was like the, the heartbreak moment for me. Yeah. But the good – well, see, here's the thing. Um, my best moment, I've already told everybody. So I, I'm not, I can't give everybody my first best. Yeah, because that, that was Monty Cook. Yeah, I can't give everybody the second best or I'll spoil Saturday. Yeah. I can't give him my third best because it also spoils Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go with my fourth best. My, my didn't That's even digging make it. deep. <laughs> <laughs> Not even making it into the top, the top three. Um, because obviously the interview is number two and all the things we got to do that accompany that was three. So, yeah. um, so Four was honestly, and uh, I, I said it again, and I'll say it always, is that being in being someone who loves this hobby and every aspect of it, be it LARPing, role playing, cards, board, you know, uh, <laughs> there's so many aspects of this hobby that. The, and that's why we'll never that, run out of topics. Yes. The fact that, you know, <laughs> Gen Con brings us all together and I get to I get to geek out with probably some of the coolest people I'll ever get to meet in my life. Yeah. In, in a four day period is probably the best feeling in the world. It's not probably it is the best feeling in the world. 
the fact that I have sat down and, you know, I talked to one guy who was from Minnesota and he, and he's like, so when you're, when you're, you know, when you're, when you're playing, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he was asking me a whole bunch of questions and it was nice to, you know, see how other people's gaming groups do things. I mm-hmm. like how other people, you know, when I'm like, yeah, so I was playing, I, if I remember his name, I was like, I was actually talking about Ascension. It's like, I was playing Ascension and I did this, this, and this and combo in here. He goes, yeah, I hate that card. <laughs> and the fact that you can do that and someone knows what you're talking about, or, you know, when you go into a restaurant and you see, I told you this when we went to Noodle Company, mm-hmm. and I look over at tables and all I see around tables is dice and board games and card games and even you know people role playing. That right there, like I was so elated that it's not even funny. I as like the Grinch moment, my heart grew so many sizes that day. And then it shrank. And then it shrank when I had to get back in the car. Yeah, no, yeah. That is, that is, that is the, uh, honestly, it is the, the golden, if you will, the, 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 the it is the best of best. It does beat Monty Cook actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. It does. Uh, the, maybe, the fact- maybe in the aggregate. I don't know. <laughs> no, it does in the sense that it, I got to spend because you're talking about something that like spans days and thousands of people versus that one shining moment that you're going to post on your wall forever. <laughs> you know, True, I, but, but, <laughs> but no, in, in all honesty, though, it, it's that I got to spend time with my friends. I got to spend mm-hmm. time with my family and we all got to do it doing what we love, which is loving, which is playing hobby games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not, it's not even hobby games. It's just playing games and game, well, geek I, out. I think I heard some people talk about it and it's uh, it's at Gen Con, no matter who you are, what you're into, you can be you and everyone's going to be cool with it. So. Yeah, well, I I guess that's probably the best way to just transition into our into our finale for this one. And that was when the girl took the sword to the to the Mm -hmm. big giant. Dragon. Uh, no, yeah. no, it was Cthulhu. She took she took the sword to Cthulhu and he popped. <laughs> and then a horde of people scrambled over and tore it apart. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, your 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 version of the finale? <laughs> I wasn't talking about when they killed the giant Cthulhu. No, but you know, guys, cherish all the moments you have when you're gaming, because those are the best. And from us, you know, we thank you for listening to this episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com for slash episodes for slash eight. Yeah, it's crazy. We've already done eight of these. Of course, Jencon helped us bump the number a little bit. But. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, but you can always follow us at, on Twitter, which you can find us at Epic Turn. You can find Brian at, Tel- at Kelton and you can find me at Telshin. And, you know, guys, if you love this show, please rate, subscribe to us on iTunes, and don't be afraid to send us some feedback. We love to hear it. And we'll see you on Saturday for what I'm going to say is going to be one heck of an epic turn. It's, I think, our most epic turn so far. I agree. Okay. So, good night, ladies and gents. Good night, and uh, until next Gen Con. Bye-bye. Speaking of Next Gen Con, I'm going to use this as kind of the outro. Uh, what are you talking about? Well, I want to talk a little bit about Next Gen Con. You know, there was, we had the whole goal of, of publishing an episode a day while we were there. Yeah. And I think there's things we can do to make that better and make it possible next year. 
yeah, there's going to be a lot we can do. Right? Yeah, you know, I, I, we're going to schedule. We're, I mean, because by this time next year, we're going to have more interviews, more people to talk to. We're going to generate so much content over those four days. It's not going to be funny. Yeah. I plan on um, hiring or finding somebody to edit the episodes and and upload them for us. For us, yeah, yeah. We probably we got so we got some resources down here we could probably use. But yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna do that. We're gonna uh, definitely do what we can. So who knows? We might be posting two or three episodes a day, depending on how many interviews we have. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we'll, we'll find out. But no, I think I think that's a great problem to be had. You know what? If we flood content for those four or five days, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Yeah, because you know they can listen to the ones they're into and the ones they're interested in, and uh, and that's that. So yep, agreed. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. And of course, uh, hotels. No more driving 20 minutes to get to the con. It has to be downtown or bust. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll even take the ones that are on the outside of downtown, like literally the one mile walk, like the Sheraton. Yeah, uh, it's like a mile over by the courthouse. Yeah. I take that at this point. You know, and of course, you know this time next year will be official press. I'm nope. gonna, we're going to shoot for to get into the VIG program because um, yep. honestly, you know, I would like to sit down with some of these guys that have been going to Gen Con for 25 years. Agreed. Yep. And just talk to them about how they've seen it grow and everything else. I think that'd be great. I think that'd be um, awesome. Anything I mean, and better audio gear for next year, better yeah. sound, better sound quality. Uh, there's so much that we want to be able to do over the next year. And I think, uh, you know, with uh, with solid support from listeners, I think we can get there. I think so too. Uh, no doubt about it in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. 